I have the Bible reading for you this morning, short and sharp, from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I, we thank you for, for the comfort of, of these chairs in this building. But Lord, we ask that you will make us now uncomfortable by confronting us and convicting us with your word so that we will be transformed and renewed by the time we leave. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you know what's really rewarding in uh, pastoral ministry for me is just watching people grow. Uh, in my previous church, I started as the, as the youth pastor there. And so I had uh, a bunch of uh, teenagers. For, and, and for the next 10 years, I, I was there. I watched them graduate school, uh, go to uni, start working. And even some of them started having their own families. And so it's very uh, rewarding to see a bunch of immature kids uh, and you get to be part of shaping them and teaching them and, and helping them mature. And often it's, it's hard to see the immediate results of, of what you're doing. But for many years down the track, you get to see the influence that you've had in their lives. And now if you are a parent, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, that it's hard to see the, the immediate change in, in, in your kids, all the teaching, all the discipline and, and lesson that you, you try to give. But in a few years' time, you get to see some of those uh, lessons in action. Uh, but obviously, the opposite of that will be the most discouraging and disappointing in ministry. It's when people don't grow, when they don't grow up to mature, or worse, when they leave the faith. Uh, and that's what we're talking about today, growing. See, Peter said uh, in verse 2 that really the aim here is to grow up, to grow up in your salvation. It's, it's an indication that being saved is not the end goal. God doesn't just want you to become a Christian, say yes to Him, and then do nothing and just sit back and enjoy life. Instead, the Bible often talks about Everything begins from salvation. That from then on, we have a new life, that we are now to live this new life differently, and we ought to grow in this new life. It's a journey. It's a transition. To be a disciple means to be continually learning and growing. That's what a disciple is. And so today, here's the question for us. Are you growing in your faith? Are you growing as a Christian? Are you a better follower of Jesus Christ today than you were 20, in 2021? Have you grown as a Christian since you first believed? It's important to ask because if the answer is no, then as we will see, it's a, it's a big, big problem. A big problem for you in your life and a big problem for the church. And take note that just because you have been a Christian for, for many, many years, it doesn't mean that you have grown spiritually. Age and maturity are two different things. Again, I think most of us will, will know that. And so therefore, today, we can see that maturity is essential 
to the Christian DNA. So what can we learn about growing and maturity? Well, I want to show you three things in here in this short passage. One, why you need to grow. Two, what you grow into. And thirdly, how you can grow. Right? What you need to grow, what you grow into, and how you can grow. Let's begin with the first one. Why you need to grow. You know, when Peter says in chapter 2, verse 2, he says that, basically he says that you are all babies, therefore you have to crave for spiritual milk. Now, that, that was not a compliment. He's not saying that uh, you're all so cute babies, and I want to squeeze you and cuddle you. No, he's saying you're such a baby still, you need to grow up. Now, it's, it's okay to be a baby if you are new to the faith, because all of us begin as a baby. But the point is, you cannot stay as a baby forever. You need to grow up. Even the book of Hebrews says that you cannot be drinking milk forever. Because what's wrong with being a baby? Now, let me just give you a few examples to consider. Now, firstly, we know that babies are naive. They're not stupid. They're, they're just innocent. They don't know a lot of things. They're, they're immature mentally and socially. And this is why, like, how do we talk to a baby? We say, hey, 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 who's hungry, right? What's wrong? See, often it's not a very smart conversation. Even when we talk to young kids, we, we try to be careful of what to say and how to say it. You avoid big words or we avoid sarcasm because we know they won't get it. Morally, they're also very immature. We need to teach them how to share because they're always saying, hey, that's mine. You need to teach them how to be polite. We'll tell them, well, what do you say? You say thank you. You say please. We teach them how to be, cool, how to be good, how to be kind, because it's not natural. Young kids are also very gullible. They'll believe everything and anything that they hear. Remember the ad when the, the boy, when they were driving and the boy asked his dad, Dad, why did they build the Great Wall of China? His dad didn't know the answer, so he just said, well, it's to keep the rabbits out, son. And the next day, the son performs a presentation to the class about it. Because kids are gullible. They, they'll believe anything. But mature people knows how to discern truth. When you first become a Christian, you're a baby. You don't know a lot of things about the spiritual faith. You need to be taught how to read the Bible. You need to be taught how to pray. Someone needs, someone needs to teach you the basic doctrines. What's the Trinity? Who, who's Hezekiah? What's justification? What's the point of Holy Communion? All these things. And as a baby, you're also immature on your Christian faith or on your Christian morals. You need to, be learn, how to, you need to learn how to be a good disciple. You learn how to, to develop love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It needs to be learned. But you're also very gullible early in the faith. You tend to believe whatever you hear. The preacher might say, hey, you need to give me all your money and God will give you more. You follow that because you think it must be true because the pastor says so. So babies in the faith are easily, easily deceived. And that's why in the New Testament, the early church, the baby church, was full of warning of not being deceived. But babies are also selfish. See, young kids are, are, are selfish naturally. They're, they're self-centered. And, you know, the younger a person is, the more selfish they are. Babies need, they need a lot of attention. 
they demand at attention. When they're hungry, they cry. They need to burp, they cry. They poo, they cry. They're saying, attend to me, focus on me. Even young kids, they always want the attention to them, for, uh, to themselves. If you're talking to a child and you tell something about yourself or about what your day was like, it won't be long till they say, hey, enough about you. What do you think of my shoes? What do you think of my dress? Or do you know what I did today? And that's, again, that's the way children are. Always thinking, what about me? That's not fair. I want some. Children are naturally attention seekers. They're selfish. In the same way, look at yourself. Do you find yourself constantly feeling, feeling hurt? Do you feel neglected or ignored if the attention is not on you? Do you say to yourself, well, people don't love me because I'm not getting any attention? Do you often make things about you? And if you don't get attention, do you find yourself always wondering why everybody doesn't drop everything that they're doing and attend to my needs? Are you more concerned about your problems and wanting attention than you helping other people? Babies and kids need a lot of attention because they're very dependent. And again, that's okay because they're young, but you can't stay as a baby your entire life. That's why the point of parenting is to raise able and dependent adults one day that is capable of taking care of themselves and of others. In the same way, Christian maturity is being able to help others mature. Uh, thirdly, babies are also, or kids, they're quite impatient. They have a very short attention span. Again, when you talk to kids, everything you say to them has to be very exciting, colorful, or very quick. We tend, that's why we tend to exaggerate things when we talk to kids, right? We say, whoa, that's very pretty. When you feed young kids, it's, it's always a big mission. You don't just put, put food inside their mouth. You have to make an airplane out of it or a train out of it. In 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about this church that is really full of babies. He says that you guys are you're always wanting miracles. You want quick answers. You want God to come through like this and that. You're all babies. See, young Christians often go often goes for what's really exciting, what's new, and what's entertaining. They look for something that they that transforms things very quickly. But mature Christians, their emphasis is on character on discipline, on truth, on righteousness. They're open, they're open to be confronted by the truth. They persevere because mature Christians don't just turn up because it's fun. Now, I'm not saying that mature Christians are boring. No, in fact, the complete opposite is true. Because, for example, if a child, uh, if a child is crying and, and you say to them, hey, if you stop crying, I'll give you some ice cream. And immediately they'll stop. Because why? Because they're shallow. Their, their sorrow is shallow. Because their joy is shallow. And they're fine as long as they get something that they want. As long as, they, as, the, as, long as everything is fine and, and they're, ha they're happy. They don't understand that there's so much more in life. In the same way, new Christians are often very shallow. They're, they're praising God, going to church, very happy. Everything in life is going well. But as soon as problems arise, 
as soon as they don't feel good anymore, they cry, they question God, they question their faith, they easily give up and complain. Why? Because new Christians look for something that they want from God. But mature Christians ask for something that they need regardless of the cost. Again, let me ask you, what do you look for in the Christian faith? What do you look for in a church? Are you looking for something that is fun and novel in the Christian faith? Are you jumping from church to church looking for something that's different and that's new? Do you get disappointed if there is nothing miraculous happening in your life? Or are you willing to receive what you need? See, the point is children are they're often naive, they're often selfish, they're often gullible, and everything has to be exciting all the time. But as soon as something is too hard or not exciting enough, they get bored. And starting out in the Christian faith is often no different. We start naive, we, we're gullible, we're selfish, needing to be entertained all the time. And again, it's fine because everybody starts off as a baby, as kids, but we need to mature, we need to grow. You don't want a 50-year-old acting like a 10-year-old. You don't want to be a Christian for a very, very long time, but you have not changed because you'll have to give an account of your life to God one day. Now, secondly, what do we grow into? What should we grow into? Well, Peter says you need to grow up in your salvation. Now, what does that mean? If you go back to verse 22 in chapter 1, it says that now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. It says that we're supposed to be aiming for purity, for holiness. Now, what does that look like? Well, obedience to God. It's surrender to God. Maturity is how much you're able to trust God and surrender to Him by obeying him. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, uh, in the same context, Paul is talking about building the building of the church. And like Peter, he talks about the aim, which then he says, until we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Because if you get that, then you will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every kind of teaching. In Ephesians, Paul is saying that the goal is maturity in Christ. It is being more like Christ. In fact, if you go back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, Peter talks about, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written that Jesus Christ said, Be holy because I am holy. The Christian maturity is becoming more like Jesus in his holiness. That's why Christianity is not just about following a bunch of rules or being more religious or being more knowledgeable in the Bible. Christianity doesn't just give you rules and information. It gives you a person. Here's your Savior. Here's Jesus Christ. Look at the way he shows compassion. Look at his humility. Look at his courage. Look at his tenderness. Listen to the way he responds. Observe the way he prays. What do you see? Purity integrity we see perfection in character holiness deep communion and obedience to the father then paul and peter they have they have the audacity to say you can grow up into that into the whole measure of the fullness of christ that's the goal to be christ-like in purity 
and in holiness. Christianity doesn't just say, grow up and be more mature, or grow up and be more obedient in some abstract kind of way. It's saying, look at the person of Jesus. He's the image and likeness of God. He's the one we're following. If you want to know more, if you've been growing in your faith, then you need to ask a simple question. Am I more like Jesus in the way I think, in the way I act, in the way I love, in the way I help others, and so on? Who are you becoming more like? The celebrities that you follow, the TV personalities that we watch, or are you becoming more like Christ? And take note what it means to be Christ-like. All right? What does it mean to be more like Jesus? Spiritual growth is not just stopping the, the bad stuff in your life, but it is doing the good stuff in life. It's not just about avoiding sin, but it's seeking righteousness. Because if Christianity is all about avoiding sin, then all we need to do is really move up the mountains and avoid people, avoid media, avoid wealth in order to avoid temptations. And that's what happened in the 2nd and 3rd century when people started separating themselves to the world in order to avoid sin. They started living in isolation. But Christianity is about living your life for the sake of others. What did Jesus do? He befriended the outcast. He showed compassion to the needy. He forgave the sinner. He loved the poor. He, he, he confronted injustice. He wept with the grieving. And he did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. A life of obedience to the Father for the benefit of others. How are we doing that in our lives? Are we seeking the good of others? Are we living life to be served or to serve others? Why do we have to grow? Because we cannot stay as an infant our whole life. We, have, uh, we are in a spiritual journey into maturity. What do we grow into? We grow into the image and likeness of Christ. We become Christ-like, and leads us, which leads us to our third point. Well, how do we grow? Well, firstly, growth begins with being in Christ. Uh, in verse 23 of chapter 1, Peter mentions that, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Now, what does that mean? It means that you, that you now become a Christian. Something enters you, something that is immortal, something that is eternal. It's a seed, meaning it's something that grows. Well, what is it? Well, it's the Holy Spirit. He's the imperishable seed. In John 14, there's this part where Jesus says that when I go, he's talking to his disciples, when I go, I will send my Holy Spirit, and therefore I will be with you. So in a way, technically he's saying that when the Holy Spirit enters you, I enter you. Because the Holy Spirit is, in, in a way, is Jesus' spiritual DNA. The only way you can grow into Christ-likeness is if you have the Holy Spirit in you that grows you into Christ's maturity. And so we know that Christianity works from the inside. It's changing your heart. It's changing how you see things. It's convicting you. It's transforming your heart. And unless you have that seed, everything that you do is just your own effort. It's a wasted effort. And that's why as a church, our vision is a church to, as a church is to see thousands of lives transformed 
That means thousands of lives who has the imperishable seed growing into Christ-like maturity. And we want those seeds that are growing to turn into trees one day that produces more seed and spreads. Because there, you know, there, there's really two ways to grow. One is if you just pile uh, a bunch of bricks together and you add more bricks and keep adding on. And we can say that the pile of bricks is growing. But on the other hand, if I planted a seed and I water it and slowly something comes up and, and we know that it's growing. One is just external growth. One is organic internal growth. And so it's easy to, you know, it's, it's really easy to, to grow a church just with the external growth. As we said, bring something exciting all the time and people will come. Give something out for free. People will turn up. But they only turn up for the show. To build the church of Jesus Christ, it requires a lot of prayer for the Holy Spirit to be at work. It's internal transformation that only God can do. Real growth is therefore hard both individually and corporately. That you can be religious, you can be ethical, you can heap up a good, lots of good works, you can have a, a perfect attendance to church or Bible studies, you can build up a spiritual resume, you can heap up a lot of intellectual knowledge of the faith and of the Bible and so forth, but that's not the same as actually becoming a new person. That's not spiritual growth because to grow spiritually means you're, you're alive spiritually. And new life, as we can see, is only found in Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit. You must have a new core, a new heart, a new spiritual DNA that transforms you. But secondly, you cannot grow without the truth. So in verses 24 to 25, Peter says that everything else dies. They wither away except for what? Except for the Word of God. And this Word of God is the one that gives you this new life through the Holy Spirit. Then he goes in verse 1, Therefore... Through the word, you can trust the word to get rid of malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy. In other words, he's saying you use the word of God to get rid of sin and wickedness. And so that verse 2, so that you may grow up in your salvation. And so this is why we encourage you. This is why you, you do devotions every day. That's why we preach on a Sunday. That's why we do Bible studies during the week because the ultimate weapon against sin is the Word of God. The ultimate food for spiritual growth is the Word of God. The greatest revelation of God is His Son, Jesus Christ, which is revealed through the Word of God. The Holy Spirit brings new life and conviction and encouragement. How? Through the Word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says that all Scripture is God-breathed. It's, it's God's Spirit at work, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness becoming like christ so that the servant of god may be thoroughly equipped not just for their own benefit but for every good work and you know the the greek word for training in righteousness is really the word discipline for children the word of god is there that it's used to train you or discipline you in order to to help you grow up from childhood the Word of God is your manual for spiritual maturity. You learn Christ by being deep in the Word. 
And the more you saturate yourself with him, the more you see him, then the more you become like him. Now, thirdly, we, we grow through sacrifice. If you want to grow, then you have to apply what you know. You put your faith to work. See, the context of our passage is really the Apostle Peter commanding them to obey the word. In chapter 1, verse 13, he starts with the command. Now, if you know the gospel, he says, that then you set your hope on that grace. He tells them to be holy. Verse 17, he says that to, you need to live out your faith. In verse 22, he says to purify yourself by obeying the truth and loving one another deeply. See, all this command means that it's not automatic in your life. You need to put all these into action. That spiritual growth is like physical growth. It requires training and discipline and commitment in life. Putting what you know to what you do every day. You know, my, my previous church in Melbourne, uh, it was right next to one of the, the best and biggest gym, uh, gyms in the area. It's a, it's a great gym. The, the land uh, is bigger than, the, the, than our church. It, has, it was two stories high. It has an indoor basketball court. Uh, it has tennis courts. It has a pool. It has a spa. It has a, a boxing area. It has a bike class. It got everything. And I remember one day they had a, a trial promotion that for only $10, I can have a month-long membership without lock-in contract. And so I thought, I really need to get back in shape. I, I need to be more healthy again. And so I signed up. And you know, when you sign up to a gym, they normally like, do a little bit of interview. Like, they ask you, like, oh, have you, have you uh, gone to a gym membership before? Uh, and they ask me, how often do you think you will go? And I said, I remember I said, well, I just work next door. I will go every day after work. And for the whole trial period for that month, not once did I step in. I mean, it was only $10. It was basically free. But because I didn't have the motivation, I didn't set my priorities, I didn't make the sacrifice, there was no change or transformation in my life. See, getting access, getting all the tools and resources doesn't help you grow. Getting a membership doesn't help you lose weight. You won't grow just by sitting and doing nothing. There has to be a sacrifice. A sacrifice of your time, a sacrifice of your energy and your resources. And that is the same principle with spiritual growth. For example, how do you produce? How do you produce a servant heart? Well, you might pray, Lord, help me to be more loving, more caring, more compassionate towards others. I want to serve you overseas, Lord. I want to help eliminate poverty. I want to, I want to stop sexual trafficking. I want to eliminate world hunger. But then God sends someone along. They need a bit of help. Maybe it's your neighbor, a friend, a church member. They need someone to drive them to church every week for the next six months. Or they need someone to mow their grass. Maybe they injure themselves. How do you respond? Well, you know, I'm quite busy. I do have a routine happening already. I don't want to disturb that routine. But can you see that you want God to use you to eliminate poverty, but not help towards your neighbor or your community? The more you do, the more you sacrifice, the more you give, the more you become selfless like Jesus, the more you will train yourself to grow in becoming like him. That's how you do it. Now, lastly, we grow through suffering. Now, the book of Peter, 1 Peter, is really all about suffering. It's all about growing in faith through suffering. It's suffering for doing good uh, to others. And I can tell you this. 
one of the best lessons in, in spiritual growth, really, is when we are in a situation where we're just left to trust God, where we are in a desperate and helpless situation and we're left to depend on God alone. That's why in Romans 5, uh, Romans chapter 5, Paul says that, you know, not only that, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. Paul is saying that, you know, if you just persevere, then that will really shape your character. And the more it shapes your character, the more you will understand the gospel and the hope that you have, that you have placed in it. The more you will depend on God. And throughout the New Testament, we see Paul's prayer for the church. It's not about being healed or being safe. His prayer that they will grow into maturity, that they will understand the love of God and trust Him even more, especially through suffering. And that should be our prayer as a church. You know, my friends, I, I would not want you to go through suffering and pain, but often that is the method that God uses to shape us, to refine us like gold. And that's just this really wonderful passage in uh, Philippians 3, which I often, I, I love it, but I find it really confronting, where Paul says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of this resurrection. And yet he goes to say this, and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He's saying to know Christ, and we want to know Christ. We all do. And we want to know this incredible power of God to really, to, to really know the, the, the power of this resurrection. But really, you need to understand his suffering and his death. That's how you grow. Suffering can really catapult your spiritual growth into new, to new levels. That's how you end up really trusting God and being dependent on Him. You know, it, it's great to be able to know Jesus and His power in that way, but it won't happen in a life that's just sitting back. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to be deep in the Word. We need to be persevering in, in obedience. And we need to be able to trust God even in our suffering in order to know Christ. And we know that we can trust Him because He, he took the ultimate suffering. He gave, he gave the greatest sacrifice for our sake. He died so that we can live. And He came back to life so that He can live in us and grow us to be more and more like Him. That's our prayer. Church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for sending Your Son, our Lord Jesus. We thank You for sending us the Holy Spirit, so that we can grow into maturity, we can grow to be more like Christ, so that we can get to know Him more and more. But Father, we know that we cannot be passive. We cannot just sit back and thinking that the Holy Spirit will just do all the work. But Lord, help us, convict us, transform us by pushing us forward, O oh Lord. Lord, I, again, I pray not for suffering for, for these people, but Lord, I pray that you will help them grow in their faith so that, you, that, so that you can use them for your kingdom. And Lord, I pray that you will use us as a church corporately as well. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.